You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, so review again, just, just like we've started every one of these lessons, a fact about all the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the source It is impossible to operate in these gifts without the Holy Spirit. He is the seal of authenticity and authority. The display of the gifts will always look like the heart of the Father. No gifts of the Spirit are meant to elevate any one person, but instead the body of Christ as a whole. Um, And last week we talked about the gift of discernment. Uh, This is a special gift uh, to discern whether those who prophesied were actually speaking from God Um, This gift was also given to distinguish between the Holy Spirit and the working of evil spirits. Um, This gift was crucial to the early church as they only had the Old Testament at that time. They didn't have any New Testament writings. None of the letters existed. The only uh, fully manifested word of God that they had was the Old Testament. So there needed to be some way the early church could distinguish the truth from the false doctrine about Jesus. And there were so many stories about Jesus at the time circulating, and they needed this uh, divine ability to discern truth from error. Uh, Because as these stories share, more details get added or taken out, and that ended up being the case. And so the Holy Spirit would kind of guide and navigate that so that they could discern um, what was true about Jesus and what wasn't so that they could continue to teach um, clearly. And uh, every spiritual gift that we've discussed so far, um, all of them, every single one of them, there's not any one that doesn't require this. It requires discernment in the operation of that gift. Um, This is a gift that all believers uh, should ask for and press into. Um, It plays a profound role in protecting and guiding the body of Christ. Uh, Ephesians 5 highlights this. Uh, there towards uh, the, the bottom end of the chapter, it, it says, and we, we hear this a lot quoted in churches, but to make best use of the time because the days are evil. Um, they're full of evil. And the answer to that, what the Lord said in response, yes, the days are full of evil, but understand what the will of God is. And that is impossible to do without discernment, to discern what the will of the Lord is, whether he would have you step into things or not step into things, whether it's him speaking or not him, discernment is necessary for all these. So to put it plainly, uh, discernment is the ability to listen to the Spirit in response to what's happening or who is before us. What's happening before us or who is before us and what they're speaking, whether this is truth or not. Uh, this is when he says to test every spirit, this is the gift that he's, he's, he's pointing to, to have discernment, to test every spirit. I don't need to listen to a sermon, go home and study and sit and wrestle and figure out whether what the preacher was saying was true or not or accurate or not. If I have the Holy Spirit, I can in the moment know that, okay, this is a word from the Lord. This is, I, I can discern that this is of God or no, this is not of God. This is in man's image. Um, and you can discern in these moments, but we miss that. And so it becomes, uh, unfortunately, we, we have a lot of uh, Christians just that operate with heavy scrutiny uh, towards other congregations and other pastors and different things like that. Uh, and we think that we're doing it from a place of 
uh, testing the spirits, but really we're just causing division because without the Holy Spirit, you cannot test spirits. If you don't operate with the one true spirit, you can't recognize what is God and what isn't God. Um, and it's a sensitivity to know when the Spirit is in agreement with something, like I was saying about uh, testing the spirits, whether the Holy Spirit is in agreement with something or warning us away from something. Um, and this is where I see it oftentimes go wrong. It's discernment is not rooted in opinion. Uh, it is a gift and it is a manifestation of spirit. Opinion is a manifestation of self. Uh, so to see this gift in our story... We must simply listen to the Spirit and be open to His guidance and His direction. Uh, this is a profound gift that has daily implications and is meant to have daily implications for the believer. I don't know that there's a spiritual gift that has more of an impact on a regular basis than the gift of discernment. Um, and unfortunately, as is the case with anything that the Lord would, require, would desire for us to use often, it's the thing that we use the least. Um, discernment is crucial. You can't understand uh, when to give a word of knowledge, when to keep it to yourself, when to prophesy, when to keep it to yourself, um, when to uh, step into the miraculous nature of God because He wants to perform miracles or He wants to start somebody on a journey of healing through the gift of healing, the gifts of healing. Uh, discernment is required for all of that. And without that, we're just flying blind and we're doing whatever emotion is stirred up and whatever corresponds with that emotion. And that's why, unfortunately, we don't see a lot of miracles in the church, but we see a lot of prayer for miracles in the church. There's no discernment to discern um, when it is time to step into that and when it isn't. That's all led by the Holy Spirit. They're gifts of the Spirit. We cannot lead those times. We cannot orchestrate those times. And another thing with this that's important to know, and we talked about this Sunday, but you cannot go in public where you've not first been in private. And so if I have not cultivated a relationship where I understand his voice, I understand what he's speaking, I understand how to discern his will from my own, and I understand how the miraculous nature of God works from the quiet times, the secret place that is my own and nobody else's and no one knows about and no one sees, uh, I can't ever hope to step into the fullness of that in a public setting, in a congregational setting. So we need that secret place and discernment grows in the secret place. I have discernment uh, with my wife. I know when she's got things on her mind. I know, she, I know when she's processing and she needs time to think and I know when she needs to stop processing and she just needs to start talking about it because she's either going to just not talk about it and it's going to get swept into the rug to show up later or it's going to... Um, um, or we're going we're gonna to deal with it right then and there. So, um, and it, it's, it's the same for me, and it's the same with any married couple. We have to have the discernment to know when it's time to press in, when it's time to pull out, when it's time to even, even to have the discernment to know, you know what, it's time for some one-on-one -on -one time. It's time for a date night. It's time for stuff like that. There's discernment that's meant to be active in our daily lives, and the Holy Spirit is the author and perfecter of that. He's, he's the creator. He, it is His fruit. And it is His gifting, and so we must spend time with Him in order that we could cultivate a deeper understanding of discernment. And so tonight, this is the last lesson uh, in the gift series. Um, I'm excited about this one just because this is, uh, and it's not last by any other reason 
then it shows up last in 1 Corinthians 12. It's the last one mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. That's the only reason. That's the order that we've gone through is the order of um, 1 Corinthians 12. And so tonight, and we're combining the two because you can't, you can't have one without the other. It's really, it's, it's one gifting, in my opinion. It's listed as two, but I believe it to be one. The gift of tongues and interpretation. Okay, so uh, this is just a quote from a, from a, from a journal um, that was discussing this and answering questions and just kind of uh, an open conversation about this gifting. Uh, kind of a, a feed of conversation online about this gift that I really liked. Um, there is probably no spiritual gift that is so discussed or so misunderstood as the gift of speaking in tongues. The exercise of this gift has led to an exaggerated emphasis by some, while a denial of its, of its existence by others. Churches have been divided over the meaning, purpose, and existence of this spiritual gift for a very, 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 very long time. And it just seems to be, there just seems to be two camps. And I, don't, I have, personally, I have never heard this taught well. Um, I've only heard it taught from the two camps. And one camp, if you don't speak in tongues, then you've not received the Holy Spirit. So... Let's just leave that over there. And then the other camp is speaking in tongues was for the apostles only, and to do it now is heresy and blasphemy. It's like very extreme. Where that, those can't be it. That can't be it. It is, it is not, there is no scriptural evidence of this other than the day at Pentecost that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak in tongues. That's it. Acts 2, verse 6 is kind of when that starts through 11. That's it. The speaking of tongues happens on that day, but that, is, that does not mean that, uh, that you have to speak in tongues as evidence of your receiving of the Holy Spirit. Now, can you speak in tongues as evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But we're going to get more into that. And the other camp is that it doesn't exist anymore. It was for that time. It's not needed now. Um, and you'll, you'll see why that doesn't make sense in, in just a little bit. But just uh, really quick, my thought on this, and this, this is my opinion. This is something that I've found to be true for me. You can disagree. There's room to disagree with this. But for the Lord to, to no longer, for the Holy Spirit to no longer release a gifting requires change. Something has changed in Him for Him to no longer release that to us. And this word that He breathed said that He does not change. There is no variation of change, no shadow due to change. So, I, I think the reason we don't see it again, like most, because that argument could be made for any of the giftings if you really want to go there. That can't just be made for one. If you're going to make it for one, you've got to make it for all of them. That's another issue with that argument. Um, but the main reason I believe that it's not been seen is because, one, we've kicked the Holy Spirit out of our lives, and you can't have the gifts of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. But the other thing is we have 
turn to ourselves for understanding in these things of how we think they should be applied. And because of misunderstanding, they've not been given. If my, if my kids misunderstand how to use a firearm, I'm not just going to give them a loaded gun. I'm not gonna, they're not going to go hunting and just get put in a blind with a rifle and say, good luck. They have to show me that they know how to steward that responsibility. And I believe it's the same with the Lord because He does not desire our destruction. And to, to receive this like a vending machine whenever we want it would only lead to our destruction because we don't have the capacity to not make it about self without Him. Okay, so that's my kind of just snippet on that and we'll move on and, and this will make even more sense as we go. But Mark 16, 17 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. Uh, this is Jesus talking in Mark 6. So this is, this is well before Pentecost and all that stuff. So he's, he is telling, he is prophesying of what is to come and what's going to be made available to us. And I think it's important that he mentions the speaking in new tongues. So in the translation back to the Greek of uh, the gift of tongues, uh, the gift is called uh, glossolio, gl- sorry, glossol. Lalia. Okay. Greek is super hard. I don't know if you've ever tried to read Greek. It is intense. Uh, Glossolalia. Okay. There it is. Probably butchered it, but that's what we get. Uh, Glossa is meaning tongue or language. And lalia is from the verb uh, lako, which means to speak. So in actual translation... Speaking in tongues can simply be defined as speaking in languages. That's important to recognize. Speaking in tongues is a Western Christian church term. It is not a biblical term. It, is all, it always comes back to this word, uh, glossolalia, and that is always the speaking of languages. So that's an important detail that I think we've missed because if you think of speaking in tongues, typically what we've associated that with, in my experience, is that it's only a spiritual language, like some kind of heavenly tongue that doesn't exist on this earth. Um, That is partly true, but that is not the full truth. And you lose that truth when you don't understand the actual translation. So it's speaking in languages. So it is basically... The speaking in languages that the person has not previously learned. Uh, So this is earthly languages and I believe a heavenly spiritual language. Okay, Um, We see it used in two capacities. Uh, We see it used in... uh, uh Uh-oh. Okay, there it is. We see it used as a sign to the unbeliever. And we talked about this at the beginning and we're just going to reemphasize this. This is Acts 2 verse 6. Now, they were dwe- now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medas, 
and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, and uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Okay, so we see this as a sign, and this is the most common use, is this is a sign to the unbeliever of the power and the majesty of God, the magnificence of Him, that people that don't speak your tongue are all of a sudden speaking your tongue and they're sharing the gospel with you. That's what was taking place right then. They were hearing their native tongue share of Jesus and the testimony of what just happened in the upper room. That's important to recognize. The Lord and the Holy Spirit wanted everyone to have access to this immediately. And they lived in a city with multiple nations, not unlike America now. It was a melting pot of people. So many people from so many different nations and, uh, and countries and, and backgrounds and all this stuff came to this place uh, because they were under Roman rule. And so uh, with that, the Holy Spirit releases himself uh, just as Jesus said he would. And immediately they begin to speak of what and give testimony of what has just taken place. Everything that Jesus said has just happened. But they're speaking, unbeknownst to them, they are speaking in a language that is not their own. So it's not previously learned. And we also see this as a means to pray. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful, okay? If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. This is, again, this is a language. My mind doesn't know what I'm speaking. I know my language, that's it. Um, and so, but it's my spirit that is now taking control and is, it is speaking. I don't know what it's speaking, but it is speaking. Um, this is all talked about and it's explained well in 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 uh, really goes in heavily to uh, the praying in tongues, speaking in languages, and prophecy, and at how, it, how it relates to the church. Um, he's dealing with a, with a group, uh, the Corinth church, that is just passionate about the Holy Spirit and wants the release, and is pressing heavily into the release of, excuse me, the, uh, the release of the spiritual gifts. And so Paul is offering some guidance about this, and so we're going to read this we're going to read it through in some sections, but we're going to read 33 verses of this chapter. Um, we're going to start in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians uh, 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So already Paul is framing for us... Um, the direction 
that he's really hoping that they take when it comes to these two gifts and recognizing that the gift of speaking in languages is not a gift that is, uh, it is going to be very rarely used in the uplifting and the building up of the church because this is the only gift that has to have someone to interpret. This is a two-part gift. So you need someone that receives the word in a spiritual language and then someone that can understand what they're speaking. Okay, so already you see this. Prophecy, is he's saying, and he'll repeat this, is for the building up of the church. Everyone understands, everyone sees, everyone listens, everyone hears. But speaking in tongues, and you, you get this impression the more we go through this, is more of a personal thing that is developed in the secret place, my spirit to God's. Spiritual interaction, spirit to spirit. My flesh doesn't know, but my spirit is speaking. And it is, it is my flesh that is to yield to my spirit. And so this seems to be more along the lines for personal benefit. He says this in here. This is for the uplifting of the person, not for the uplifting of the church. If there's not anyone to interpret, it's not, it's not going to uplift the church. It's just going to uplift that person because it's that spirit in that person speaking directly to God. Okay, so, so uh, this is not a gift that is to be used a lot. It's not a typical gift that we're just going to see break out. That doesn't mean that it won't exist in the church and that it doesn't have a place in the church. Hear that. It has a place in the church, but it's very, very, very specific. And the reason it's so specific is for our good and not for our detriment. It's typically to display to a non-believer without someone to interpret, though, it is to remain a personal experience. It's important because otherwise you just become a a clanging symbol, a, a loud gong in the church. You're just causing disturbance. You're just a distraction. You're actually hindering what the Spirit of God is trying to do. If you just get up, start breaking out into tongues without any discernment to recognize, oh, there's someone here to interpret. Okay. Uh, Verse six. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will, you, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air." There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he might interpret For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. 
I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. If operating within the church, there must be someone to interpret or it benefits no one. And Paul says, if you, if you have this gift, if you be, or you feel pressed upon to pursue this gift, the Lord says, or Paul says right here, and I believe this is the Lord's leading, he, he does not say to pursue the gift of tongues. He says, pursue the gift of interpretation. If you feel pressed for the spiritual gift of languages, pursue the gift of interpretation. Uh, and what that does... And what I see that, I see that as a failsafe and that keeps your heart in the place that it needs to be. Keeps your, because if I pursue a gift that is part A to a two-part equation and I just pursue part A, I don't pursue what will bring it all to completion. I just pursue the very beginning of it. I, I will always miss the rest. But if I pursue what comes at the end, the interpretation then I have now gained access to the rest of it, okay? And it positions our heart in a place that is healthy and safe for the church because this is, and like I said, I, I've shared two camps uh, that belong at, or that are based on opinion around this gift and there is a heavy division in that. And one has rejected the spirit and one is operating in a spirit that is not of God. And that's what happens when we misunderstand the gifts of the Spirit. We create something that is so off base, so far from truth, because both sides are so wrong. They've missed the mark. But we have entire congregations, entire bodies of worship, uh, buildings upon buildings upon buildings with people that gather, thousands and thousands and thousands that gather with these two perspectives. Uh, so when it is used poorly within the church, it is incredibly destructive. Um, verse 20, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even when they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three and each in turn and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. 
For you all can prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. If it will not establish peace in that moment, be silent. Telltale sign. If, if there is, and, and how will you know if it will establish peace? If you, if you have no peace, it is not a word of peace. Okay, and there's a difference between peace and, and being nervous, right? How many know this? Like, peace, I'm still confident in what has taken place. I'm just nervous about the application. That, they're very different things. Turmoil, however, the turning in your gut, the like, I'm not totally sure this is of God. I don't know if this is me. I don't, that, just stop. Be quiet, right? The Lord would rather you honor this word of, Maybe he's calling me to speak in tongues right now. Maybe he's not. I'm not totally sure, but I don't want to. I, I want to uplift the church. I only want to build up the church. And if you miss it, the Lord can work. This is the best advice that I've ever gotten about the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, the Lord can work with a heart that says yes a lot easier than he can work with a heart that says no. And he can teach a heart that says yes much easier than he can teach a heart that says no. So if your heart is yes and you mess up, or you miss the mark, or you misunderstand, there's grace. But if you say no, when he comes with direct revelation, but your heart is in a place of no, it is worse for that person than the one who messed up, desiring to serve the Lord and honor him and operate in his will. Uh, This gift requires such great, and it's appropriate that it's listed after the gift of discernment, but it requires such great amounts of discernment to know when to ask for this gift, to know when to speak it, and to know when to be silent. Because it says so very clearly that this will, if, if you are not speaking in obedience as the Lord has called you to do it, having someone to interpret alongside you, it will not be for anyone's benefit but your own. It will not build up the church. Paul clearly says this is not going to be uplifting or building up for the church. If an unbeliever came in and you're operating in disobedience with this gift, they're going to think you're crazy and they're never coming back. Okay, so this is crucial to have discernment around this gift. And that's another reason I don't know that there's a gift that has more discernment covered around it than this, the gift of speaking in languages. And that's one of the reasons that we just don't see it. We don't have the the depth of relationship to operate in the correct amount of discernment uh, to wield this gift. Um, It is not proof, again, of your receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, This gift has been greatly misused and misunderstood. uh, And just... But simply, again, look at the origins of it in Acts 2. It is not to show off the believer, but to display the power of the Holy Spirit to edify and reach those the Spirit leads us to. I have seen this gift one time in my life. Now, I've heard, I've heard thousands of times people speaking in tongues. But it's, they're praying. It, I'm just overhearing a conversation that their spirit is having with the Lord. I, and it's, it's different for everybody. Um, I remember um, I, I got in with a group of people that were really showing me the Holy Spirit for the first time um, in Houston, and um, they were talking about a prayer language, and I didn't understand that at all. I didn't have a lot of scripture to go off on it, but they're just like, there's, this, there's something so specific about each and every one of us. It's so unique, 
And they started explaining it to me like a parent. I didn't really understand it because I wasn't a parent yet, but I understand it now. Me and I have a way that I talk with Liam that's different than Sarah talks to Liam. Because I'm his father. And, but there are consistencies between him and Kai, but there are also differences between him and Kai. Kai's five. Liam's eight. Liam's the oldest. Kai isn't. There's a different kind of conversation that we have uh, between the both of them. Um, not inconsistent in value or standard or expectation, but just a different conversation because they're also little. I mean, if I tried to talk to Eden the way I talked to Liam, she'd just smile and keep doing whatever the heck she was doing before I started talking. It wouldn't make a lick of difference. And so they started explaining that, that, that just maybe you have a specific language, like a specific way that your spirit in you talks. It's like, you know what? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And so we entered a time of worship and they prayed that if there's, if there's, a, if there's a sound in me that my spirit wants to get out, let it out. And through that time, I started making noises. It wasn't like crazy, like clicking or or any of that stuff. That wasn't what it was. Now, I'm not docking that because that's some people, that's what it sounds like. Like, uh, that's just, that's their own thing. What I, I just started singing. I wasn't singing words. I was just singing notes. Like, I was almost like humming with my mouth open. Okay? And that's what came out. And that any time of deep, intimate worship, that's what comes out. Every single time, that's what comes out in me. And that, I believe, is just because it's what's natural for me to do. It, it, I don't think about it. It's just what comes out. And it's never distracting. It always blends right in with the music. Um, and so I believe that that's, that's my prayer language. Um, but like I said, that I don't know that uh, I think everybody has access to something like that. But it's just, uh, it all comes down to developing such and cultivating such a relationship with the Holy Spirit, not just between you and Him as far as your mind, but your spirit and His spirit, really having a deep, deep, deep connection. And I think so many of us are still so disconnected from our own spirit, from the spirit of God that was resurrected in us when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we're still so disconnected. We don't know how to navigate the spiritual things. And so I just think that there's a lot of mystery yet to be discovered that is meant for us to be discovered, but it's yet to be discovered because we've neglected the secret place. We've neglected that very personal, deep, intimate place. Uh, Again, Psalm 91, He who dwells in in the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He who builds a dwelling in, in the shelter of the Most High, he who is at home in that place, will then remain in Jesus. You can't remain in Him if you do not first dwell in the place that He's built for you. Uh, so I think that's really, really, really important. Um, the gift of tongues is again it's a it's profound it is profound i've and i've seen it uh, as i started this story and my experience of a prayer language but i've seen the gift of tongues one time his name was david uh, he was the 
first one, and I was 18, 19, 19 years old, grew up in church. She was the first one to ever tell me that the Lord speaks, and you can hear him. I just remember as a 19-year-old, I was like, he got chased, he got, he got fired from our church for teaching me that. But he, he went on to be a professor at Asbury, and he was there for the revival, so I don't feel bad for him. But uh, it, that was, that's kind of what I grew up in. And um, I saw him, he didn't speak any other languages, but he knew the Spirit well. And he, had, he knew that he, we, were at, we were at a Starbucks in Katy, Texas. He had a pressing on his heart that he had a word for somebody, but he's, I can't understand what this word is, but I just feel like I need to go up and start talking. And he went up, and I swear to you, he began to speak in Chinese or something like that. It was Chinese, North Korean, or not North Korean, probably South Korean, or Japanese, and I don't know if there's a difference with any of those, but it was an Asian language. Philippines, I don't know what it was, but he began to speak and this person understood and this person began to weep in Starbucks. And then he prayed for him in English. And it's like, dude, what was that? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what I said. I just knew it's what the Lord just said. It's what they need to hear right now. Like, all right. And then they pray, he prayed in English. And the person could speak English. So I don't know why the Lord needed to get, but that's what he needed to do in that moment. And I was just like, I mean, just blew my mind. And that's the only time I've ever seen it. My mom's seen it once, and it was in a Sunday school class. Someone got up and said, the Lord is, I don't know what's about to happen, but I have to speak. And they began to speak in tongues, and another lady got up and immediately started interpreting. It was profound. I don't know what that looks like to navigate one of those moments. I can't sit here and tell you and give you instructions on what it is to navigate the gift of speaking in languages with someone interpreting within the body of Christ, within the church setting. I have no idea. I have no instruction for you. And I don't believe there's any for me to give because I I believe this is something so incredibly intimate and it comes from such a deep and intimate and personal place with the Lord that the only place it can be understood fully and discovered and walked through and laid out is to have that place with the Lord where He lays these things out for you. Uh, It is, of all the gifts, it is the one that is warned. The Christian is giving uh, the, the Christian is given many warnings throughout uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 about this gift and about using it well and using it wisely and making sure that you are staying within these parameters so to only uplift and build up the church. It's the only gift with that kind of warning label before. Um, so, I would just, in that, I would encourage you to pursue. I'm, I'm currently in conversation with the Lord to understand this deeper. Because I want to be ready as a pastor to steward the day that it shows up here. I, I want to be able to navigate that moment. Right now, I have no idea how I would navigate that. I would just totally... Jesus take the wheel kind of moment and be like, you got to do something because I ain't got a clue how to navigate this. Um, 
So it's, it's one of those things that's just a deeply, deeply personal gift. It, it is really cool when you think about Acts 2 and Pentecost, all of a sudden people were hearing the gospel in their language. Profound. I would love for the Spirit to give me the ability to speak Spanish without having to learn the language. If I could just have it, just instant download, that would be great. But I don't think that's how that works. Um, and I don't know, uh, there, here's another question. I don't know if those people that received that and were speaking in someone else's language, I don't know if they, did they understand? I don't know. Did they know what they were saying? Did they, in their mind, think they were still speaking English? I mean, when you look at the Tower of Babel, the mass confusion around all these different languages where people were, they didn't realize that they were speaking other languages, but they couldn't understand anybody around them. And so I'm wondering, okay, could they, did they in their mind know exactly what they were saying, but it was coming out in a way that, like, that was unfamiliar? Um, or were they just speaking because the Spirit had total control and authority and just took off, and they were just vessels? I have no idea. And then another one, did they keep it? Did that become their new tongue? Or were they all of a sudden, boom, bilingual? Just like that. Some, some Galilean is now able to speak um, uh, uh, an Asian dialect. Just right then and there. And they always have that. I don't know. Paul spoke in tongues and he talks about it, but it was very clearly the, the personal prayer language between him and the Lord. He was in prison a lot, so he cultivated that well. But his spirit and the Lord talked a lot. Um, and so I think there's something to that as well, cultivating that kind of relationship and allowing, if, you're, if your spirit has a voice, allowing it to come out in that time. Because it, it, there's something to be said about the man who had a prayer language and spoke and tongues often with, between him and the Lord, and it was just him and the Lord, and he just happened to be the guy that wrote 90% of the New Testament. There may be something there, right? So, but that's for each and every one of us to pursue. I don't think your life is missing anything if you don't have a prayer language. I don't, I don't think that at all. Um, I, I, it's just for you to navigate between you and the Lord and see what happens. It's just one of those things. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what is or what isn't because it's something for me that's incredibly personal, uh, incredibly unique. Um, my wife doesn't speak in any kind of weird language or tone or anything. She just doesn't. Um, and I'm not going to sit there and say I'm more spiritual than Sarah. That would be foolish. And that's just not the case. So I don't know how that totally works. I think that's between you and the Lord in your own personal place. But I do know that this is a gift that is cultivated and understood in the secret place and only there. It can only be understood there. If we rely on the wisdom of men, we will always miss it. We will continue to cause division. So pursue a relationship with the Lord. Ask him questions in that secret place uh, and let him continue to highlight to you kind of what this gift is, how it is to be used, when and when it isn't supposed to be used. Um, but anyways, that is the gift of speaking in languages. Um, it is, again, speaking in tongues is, a, is one of those Christianese terms uh, that we just kind of started making because that was the closest thing um, 
It was just a translation issue, um, but it really goes back to speaking in languages. And I think speaking in languages is way cooler. This ability to speak to someone in language of their native dialect, that just makes it sound so much bigger than just a prayer language that's for your spirit and a heavenly language, and that's all it is. I think something that of all the thousands of languages that are upon this earth, for the Spirit to just release one in you and allow you to speak it. I think that's so cool. Um, so anyways, that's the gift of tongues uh, and interpretation. Can't have one in public without the other. Uh, and if you just have one, if you just have the gift of tongues, if you're just speaking in tongues, keep it to yourself. Um, not because it's to something to be ashamed of, not because it's something that we don't want here, but because if the Spirit does not prompt you that there's someone to interpret, it's not for the edification and uplifting of the body of Christ. Um, and it's meant to be, in that moment, just a conversation between your Spirit and the Lord's. Mm-hmm.